0: welcome to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. Many listeners are still living under major restrictions as a result of COVID, and I hope that everyone listening to the show is keeping safe and well. COVID has put a whole new focus on hygiene and sanitation, and there's no doubt that the portable sanitation industry is enjoying a boom. Demand for wash stations is really high, and that was cited as one of the factors behind news that Platinum Equity in the United States is looking to sell United site services. Reuters reported that story in early January, and it was picked up by a number of business columns. In an article published on Axios.com, Dan Primark wrote, USS is the country's largest port-a-potty purveyor, with a product line that ranges from luxurious to stomach-churning. It's also another successful pandemic pivot story as the growth of its hand wash business appears to have more than offset losses related to the dearth of in-person events. Now I appreciate that not everyone wants to know or see what goes on beneath the toilet lid, but we all perform bodily functions and we all go to the bathroom, so Dan's use of the term stomach churning isn't especially helpful. Now, some reports have suggested that USS could be valued around $4 billion. That's a huge amount. But I'd say to that, offering a business for sale at your price isn't the same as selling it. My guess would be that maybe another investment or venture capital fund will look to buy USS. And major acquisitions on that level don't happen too quickly or too often. I guess we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. My early focus was to set the scene and give some background into the industry. And as the season grew, I was able to share some highlights into operational delivery and some of the challenges that are faced by PROs. I'm planning to explore some of the new equipment, techniques and technologies that are emerging within the industry. And at the same time, I think it's also really important to revisit some of those practical and operational tips that I only really covered briefly in season one. I'll start today by looking at cleaning regimes. I've seen a lot of talk on social media recently about cleaning toilets and some commentators have specifically asked what steps do operators take when they visit a site to service a loo. Now I've trained a lot of technicians to work in the industry and I've spent a lot of time looking at and refining the cleaning process so I thought I'd use that experience to share some of my ideas and to make things easier I'll focus on weekly or fortnightly cleans on individual toilets on work sites or construction jobs. I'm not talking today about cleaning large numbers of toilets lined up in a row at a special event. Now I once asked six or seven drivers on a team to describe the tasks they carried out when they visited a site to service a toilet. As they explained what they did, I wrote their ideas on a whiteboard. The first thing I noticed was that the results varied. None of the drivers did exactly the same thing and none of them performed those tasks in the same order. That really surprised me because they all work for the same company, and theoretically, they'd all been trained the same way. Actually, I'll go further than that. It shocked me. We live in a corporate world, and everything has been standardised to make sure that customers get the same products and the same level of service from every branch, regardless of where they are. You absolutely know that your Big Mac or your Whopper is going to be the same or very, very similar, whether you buy it in Singapore, New York, Moscow, London or Berlin. In a large national portable toilet chain, I'd expect processes to be clearly documented in a standard operating procedure or playbook. So when I heard that none of the drivers on that crew were doing the same things, I was really shocked. I've written SOPs and I've trained a lot of drivers, and I have to say it's easier to train a complete novice than it is to train a driver with previous experience. That's because experienced operators often develop bad habits. They cut corners and generally think they're doing a much better job than they really are. The process I'm going to describe today is over the top. I designed it that way because I've learnt that very few people will do everything you ask. But if you give them enough direction and support, you hope they get the basics right, even if they cut a couple of corners along the way. Okay, here is my standard operating procedure for cleaning a portable toilet. Step 1. Put on your gloves, goggles and earplugs if you're working with a noisy pump. We'll gather all the equipment from the truck and take it to the toilet. That's the wand, the hose, the bucket, the brush, the blues, the sprays and any cloths. We'll leave the paper in the truck until we are finished with water. That way the new roll won't get wet and spoil the paper. And we'll start that vacuum pump before we begin. Step two, before we do anything else, take a really good look at the toilet, inside and out. Yes, we want to work quickly, but we don't want to rush in and miss things that will come back to bite us. Before we open the door, we'll walk around the outside and look for damage and graffiti. If we find any, we'll take photographs. If we can repair it, we'll fix it so the problem is solved. If we record and deal with damage when we find it, we'll stand more chance of recovering the cost of replacement or repair from the client. Once we're happy with the outside, we'll open the door and step in. We'll look up at the roof and the walls, check the toilet seat, the lid and the urinal. If it's a flusher, we'll check to make sure it flushes and we'll look at the back of the door. People always forget that because it's usually behind them when they're cleaning the loo. The purpose of the visual check is to look for what needs to be cleaned before we start. Any damage, dirt, greasy fingerprints, dribbles of sanitizer on the wall, poo on the seat or wee on the floor. With the checks done, we're ready to begin cleaning. And step three is to spray the urinal with a uric scale remover and leave it to soak. Step four, we'll spray the walls, the top of the tank and the seat with a disinfectant or cleaner. I like to use a pump action spray bottle. A hand-sized bottle is fine. A five litre or one gallon garden spray with a wand is even better. And with COVID, it's really important to cover every surface, including the door handle and lock. Step five is to suck the toilet. Get the wand in. Stir it up so you don't clog up the hose with a big wad of paper or poo. And use water from your hose to rinse the tank as you go along. Rinsing's a step that a lot of operators miss out, but it's really important. If you leave any waste stuck to the sides of the tank above the new water line, it will smell because it's exposed to air. Every person who uses that toilet will smell that odour, and your company will get a reputation for having poorly maintained toilets. Step six, and I'll put this in as a separate step, is to close the wand and turn off the vacuum pump. Turning it off will save fuel, it will reduce your noise pollution and prevent any foreign objects like stones or plastic being sucked up into the wand if you haven't completely shut the valve. Step 7 is to add the blue. If you're using liquid blue, add the correct amount now. If you're using a sachet, drop it in but aim for the puddle of water that pools in the bottom of the tank. That way it will have chance to dissolve. Some drivers like to rub the sachet on the edge of the tank underneath the seat to tear it. Just be careful not to spill the powder because it goes absolutely everywhere. And I have to stress it's really important to add the blue before you add water. That's because it needs to be mixed and dispersed to make it work, especially with those dissolvable sachets. If you put them in after you've added the water, they'll sink and they tend to congeal in a blob so they won't do their job. Step eight is to prime the toilet tank with fresh water. Now I've said this before, too many operators use too little water. That results in a big mound of waste sitting above the waterline. And yep, because it's exposed to air, it will smell. The answer is to use a lot of water and I'm talking 40 litres or 10 gallons. Now I know a lot of PROs will disagree with me there because one, it takes longer to fill and two, you ultimately collect more waste. But priming the tank with a decent amount of water really does improve the experience for people using the toilet. And that rule applies whether you're using open tank toilets, recirculating flushes or freshwater flushes. You need to prime the loop. If you're filling with a hose, wedge the nozzle under the seat and leave it to fill while you wash down. If you're filling with buckets, pour them in now before you start the next step. Step nine is wash down. Once again, too many operators don't do this. When asked about that, a lot of PROs say, oh, customers don't care. Well, I've never met anyone who enjoys using a dirty toilet. But maybe it's true. Perhaps your customers don't care. But if your name's on the door, you should. This will sound like overkill, but I teach drivers to wash the door, the walls, the tank, the seat, the outside of the urinal and the floor. A stiff brush with short bristles or a sponge scrubber or even an auto hand mitt work really well. Again, drivers complain that this takes too long. Well, if you do it right every week, you can keep on top of it. A regular washdown will take less time the more often you do it. Some drivers asked if they should use two brushes or scrubbers, one for the walls and door, and one for contact surfaces like the seat. Well, that's a great idea, but it's really difficult to keep them separate. I prefer to keep the brushes and scrubbers in a bucket with a liberal splash of disinfectant. That way, they're always sterilised after use. Step 10 is to rinse the inside of the unit with fresh water to wash away any suds and dirt. And step 11 is to dry the unit down. Now there's always a lot of discussion about wiping down. My answer is that water streaks attract dust and that makes the unit look dirty. And I've also seen fine black mould growing on plastic surfaces that haven't been properly dried. And nobody likes to get a wet bottom because they've sat on a seat that hadn't been dried. Now drying a unit only takes a couple of seconds. You can use toweling rags, chamois leather, or even paper towels. Step 12 is to check the arinal biscuit soap or sanitizer and the toilet paper. If they're getting low, replace them. Customers expect those items to be there, especially sanitizer and paper. You'll get a call to come back if you run out between services. Double paper holders are great here because you can leave a part roll and add in a new roll. And before you close the door, check that you've wiped off the sanitizer dispenser, the toilet roll holder, the seat and lid. The very final step number 14 before we leave the site is to give the outside of the cabin a quick wash and wipe. You'd be amazed at how many operators don't do this. They really should because the cabin is your biggest advert. Everyone who passes by will see it so you need to make sure it looks clean. Now those 14 steps sound like an awful lot but you'd be surprised at how quickly you can work through them. Does every driver do this every time? No of course not. If you're cleaning a toilet every day or twice a week or even once a week, you probably won't need to go through all 14 steps every time. A little regular maintenance will give you lots of long term gains. Now I said at the start that I expect businesses to have written standard operating procedures, but let's not kid ourselves that people will actually follow them. Mike Tyson once said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face and in the heat of the moment under pressure to complete 40, 50 or 60 services on a list I can understand why drivers will be tempted to cut corners. I've known some drivers look at a toilet and decide it hasn't been used. Some of them add a bucket of water and another blue, some might just give it a wipe, others will just leave. Some operators don't bother to do any cleaning inside or out. Instead they'll suck, they'll prime the tank, restock the paper, check the sanitizer, and leave the site. If you do that, you can turn a unit around in less than a minute. It literally takes longer to get the gear on and off the truck. One customer once told me how she'd watched a driver pull up, lean out of the window of his cab, open the toilet door, have a look and then drive off. He didn't even get out. The bottom line is that customers pay PROs to provide a service. And in my experience, customers do care about hygiene and cleanliness. If you or your staff visit a site and drive away without sucking or cleaning the toilet, your customers are likely to complain when you send out the bill. Even worse, they'll choose another provider. So once you've developed your SOP, shared it with the drivers and trained them to follow it, how do you actually make sure that they're walking the walk and not just talking the talk? Well, there are two ways. The first is to visit sites and inspect the toilets. The second is to ask your customers their opinion. I've adapted an inspection tool and developed a template that allows me to audit toilets on sites and score them against a set of criteria determined by the SOP. It's quick and easy to use. It allows me to record the location of the unit, lets me add photographs and notes, send actions to the drivers, and share reports with clients. It's really powerful stuff, and because it's a systematic audit, it allows me to collect some really powerful metrics and identify trends over time. If one driver repeatedly fails to refill the paper, you'll see it in a monthly report. I know that visiting sites to inspect toilets takes time, but it's a job you can outsource. I'm amazed how few companies, managers and owners actually carry out visits to conduct those audits or inspections. How else do you know what your drivers are doing? If you'd like any advice on the audits or would like to adopt my inspection tool, email me at info at and we can discuss how I might help. I said at the start of Season 1 that my aim was to help improve standards across the industry, and I hope I'm doing that today. If you'd like to help me continue doing so, please visit my Patreon page, that's patreoncom dot forward slash getflushed. For a modest monthly subscription, you'll get early access to every episode and bonus material that's not available elsewhere. If you'd prefer to make a one-off donation, you can do that through PayPal on my homepage. Just click on the tab on the left-hand side of the page when you visit getflushed.online. And if you prefer just to listen in, that's fine, but please remember to tell family, friends, and colleagues about Get Flushed, and subscribe so that you get every episode delivered direct to your device. Okay, that's it for today. It's really good to be back and next week I'll be talking about customer feedback. Thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the portable sanitation podcast.